the Hempathetic Podcast. Here we are with episode four. Wow. So, so to start off, first of all, we have a guest with us today. She is beautiful. She is from the Albany area. Her name is Erica Fallon. And if I say it wrong, she'll correct us. Yay. She is the supervising pharmacist at Fallon Wellness Pharmacy. And she is heavily involved in the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists. And at the last bio I'm reading, she was on their board of directors and also sits on the legislative committee as well. So we welcome Erica to the podcast. Hello. I'm happy to be here. What's up, Erica? So for everybody... So for everybody, I met Erica last winter, uh, and we definitely are, are talking a lot on this podcast about relationships and how we're, how you network, Erica. So I, I want to tell people how. So I saw Erica the first time I ever saw her. Beautiful. Let, let's if I could paint the picture for everybody. Right, what are you about five 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 six? Erica, dark hair, short, awesome voice, beautiful singer. Uh, what do you got? Green eyes, brown eyes. What do you got? Wow. Uh, you pretty much nailed it. I'm about five five and three quarters. I have brown and sometimes hazel eyes, so yeah, brown hair. Got it. So you right. guys can see my first impression of her was was good. So we in passing, she just smiled very nice to me. She was dropping off her kids for the for the day uh, at Gore Mountain in in New York, which is in uh, North Creek. Shout out to Gore, which is to me one of the best mountains in New York State to ski. And she had a big smile. Then I went into the lodge. I was there by myself. Uh, about to go hit the slopes for the day. And then Erica comes traipsing right after me in the lodge with that big smile. And I couldn't hesitate to say, hello, how are you today? Would you like to ski? And Erica, what, 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 do you remember the question I asked you on whether we decided we were going to ski together? I said, are you... You asked me if I was any good, or I asked you if you were any good. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 I, and I think right away we both realized, yeah, we're going to ski together. I don't remember the exact answer, but... <laughs> And uh, and we had a blast that day. Guys, Erica tears it up. You guys sound like ski birds, ski bunnies, ski bunnies. <laughs> so this podcast is specifically to talk about CBD and THC. So we want to bring Erica on. Is it specifically? Oh yes, with definitely not specifically, but Wowzers. that has to be the basis of what we talk about every day. Wowzers. <laughs> so Erica, tell us a little bit about about how you love the plant called cannabis and and how there maybe you go. have it in your life. Well, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of medical marijuana, and also I think that, you know, it should be recreational as well. That's my opinion on it. I think uh, so far the states that have moved forward with both medical and recreational programs are, you know, ahead of the curve majorly. For sure. Um, And we, we work really closely with CBD products made from hemp at our pharmacy. So we have patients and customers coming in all day to talk about, I have this ailment, that ailment, and I'm interested in trying some CBD oil for it because everyone's heard CBD from hemp is legal in New York and they, they think it can help them. And I think that it is helping uh, quite a few people. So where is it that you pulled your research to be able to talk to your patients about the CBD? I just kind of dove right in. I mean, a lot of what I have to do is know about uh, drug interactions. So, you know, CBDs, both from whatever part of cannabis, hemp or marijuana, whatever it comes from, those CBDs are very attracted to being metabolized by liver enzymes that most drugs are actually metabolized by. 
Um, so first and foremost, that's what I was most interested in. Uh, so when people come in, I want to know what medications do they take. And we do a little check to see what's up with that. Notice um, how she's talking inter- about metabolism. Just keep that in note. Yeah. Uh, my main interest in it started years and years ago. My dad's cousin, so my second cousin, had uh, a, re- a really severe form of pancreatic cancer. And oh, it was actually stomach cancer. They told me he had about three months to live, and he started on medical marijuana. He was fortunate to live in the state of California, and that was maybe nine or ten years ago. He's still alive today. He's doing well. So I, I kind of saw that, okay, this is this is something that's pretty serious and, you know, just, short, just shy of a miracle in many cases. Uh, that was my main interest in it. And, of course, the THC portion, the CBD portion, how they can synergistically and alone. It's all very interesting to me. Pharmacist with a, you know, basically a chemical engineer mind. This is really a uh, breath to my uh, fresh breath of, what's that terminology? Again? Fr- yeah, breath of, uh, breath of fresh air. Yeah, because most pharmacy folks <laughs> have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. And not to say that she's like this total 100% expert, but to, for Erica to, to talk in such a um, fundamental way about the cannabinoids and, and being pro-THC as well is, is tells me something about Erica and not just being singular. Because most pharmacy drugs, almost all of them are pretty much singular. And so that's a big thing, isolates in, in that world. So I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. So Erica, so it's touched your family and and obviously it's part of your business every day. Are you seeing an uptick of people coming in to discuss CBD? Yeah. uh, Our, the business for the, for the CBD product is going up every single month. Um, There's word of mouth. So it works for me and they tell their friends, their friends come in. It works for them. They tell their friends. Um, and a lot of prescribers, medical doctors in the area, um, have had patients come in and say, hey, this has helped me with, you know, spasticity with my multiple sclerosis. That neurologist hears that. He's trying it out with his other patients. So we have a lot of physician referral as well, which is awesome. And um, there's a ton of, ben- a ton of benefits people are, seem to be obtaining from the use of it. You know, one of the things I think people are most astonished by is that we have a whole, you know, system that's ready to accept CBDs in our body. Receptors all over the place. So, oh, like, she's kicking it. She's kicking the endocannabinoid <laughs> system uh, science there, folks. Uh, we just call it the ECS, you know, colloquially. Well, yeah, we got to <laughs> teach people, you know, let them know what it is. Yeah, that, li- <laughs> that ligand system. You want to talk about that ligand system a little bit, the ECS? What was that? Do you want to talk about that ligand system? The endocannabinoid system? Do you want to talk about it? Um, I mean, just, I don't know what else to say about it, except it's, it's awesome that it exists and that it was finally sort of discovered and recognized. For me, it was, it was interesting that uh, hemp in general, and probably the cannabis plant, was consumed by humans in many different ways, you know, for thousands of years, right? And then sort of stopped a lot of people, right? Agricultural or industrial hemp was, you know, 
all but discontinued in the United States and became sort of an imported item, and we weren't really exposed to it. So I, I often, you know, wonder, hey, we're all just consuming hemp and probably marijuana products all the time, um, what that might look like, what, how the uh, human system in general might be improved by that exposure. So we talk a little bit about sometimes, Erica, about like there's no testing for this endocannabinoid system that we have, this beautiful system that we have that with the cannabis plant can really make us better human beings. So from the perspective of the International Academy of Compounding Pharmacists that you're a part of, um, what's what's the opinion from, from that entity? And, uh, you know, do you guys do certain training and that kind of stuff about this? Or you guys had any sessions yet about CBD? Um, yes, actually, some of the conferences where we do our education, like our continuing education, there has been focus on CBD, absolutely. Um, so that's where I got actually my initial sort of knowledge about it. And uh, that, went, that went quite well. I think in general, the compounding pharmacist is more attuned to the wellness side of things. It's sort of in our nature. So as a compounder, we already think outside of the box. I'm mixing custom pharmaceuticals in my business every day. So we have people that don't fit in the box of manufactured drugs. That's that's sort of half of the bread and butter. And then the other half of the bread and butter is, uh, in a lot of compounding pharmacies, uh, is functional medicine which is just looking at the body as a whole system as opposed to you, your kidney is bad and so you are a kidney or you have Alzheimer's and so you are just a brain. You know, we're kind of looking at how do all these systems interact with each other and most importantly, what does it look like as a whole? So I think that the, uh, the CBDs fit into that because they, they are in so many areas, the receptors for them that it, it, it is almost like a functional approach using CBD in general. It can just be used as a wellness supplement, right? Well, um, I have yeah. a question for you to interject real quick. Yeah. How does it make you feel that now that you know this kind of like basic knowledge and know that this plant acts on all the body systems and functions, like you said earlier, the CB1 and CB2 receptors are everywhere in every organ, every you know, the CB2 receptors are immune system and CB1's mainly in the brain. How does that make you feel from like a scientist and like a pharmacist's point of view of knowing that this, this is the master system? It's not just the cannabis plant or the CBD, THC, like literally this plant runs all the body systems and functions by way of these neurotransmitters and these different uh, receptor cell cells that we have. How does that make you feel now like that we've kind of been lied to, so to speak? Because when you talk about cannabis as a whole, um, whether you're talking about hemp or otherwise, it's all cannabinoids. So how, how does that make you feel? Well, in a way, I was, an, I was a very early adopter of the idea that cannabis products in general were like a natural thing for humans to consume. So I feel a little bit like, you know, told you so, or, you know, ahead of the game on it, but um, I'm glad that it's, it's come to light because you can't go back and not, you know, the, the, the whole premise of science is sort of, this is what we know right now. It's always changing. I think where we get a little bit mixed up um, from a, from a medical perspective is that we see science as static. 
you know, this is what we know and it's absolute. And I've, I've never personally been that way. So, you know, my, my feeling on it is, is that it's finally coming around, right? So it's going to be more and more recognized um, by, you know, your conventional type practitioners and the conventional medical community because it, it can't be denied. You know, it is, it is what it is. And I think that the uh, op- opponents of medical marijuana are, are you know, going to find themselves on the wrong side of history. So it's nice that the uh, the science is catching up with what we've what most you know not most people but most people that I associate with uh, had already sort of agreed upon before science had even come forward saying it just on sheer intuition. What what is it that you guys so when you guys are talking about CBD um, in your in your you know groups or your sessions that you guys talk and discuss are you guys using studies or are you using personal um, experiences amongst all of you, or, or what are you guys using to, to get to the root of helping people? Most, most things that are discussed are case studies, although, which in a case study is sort of, we had this patient with this disease and they took CBD oil and their condition improved, right? And that whole patient's exact story so that's what a case study is, but especially with uh, marijuana products, there's tons of good studies out there. So I think from as a provider of hemp CBD, we sort of rely on the CBD from marijuana studies to kind of back it up. And in practice, it seems to follow suit. In other words, I'm not getting opposite results. Yeah, they're except the same. For, except for... Um, a lot of conditions to require it seems the presence of more THC, like they're benefiting from that. So there's certain conditions where CBD from hemp, which contains you know virtually no THC, uh, it, in other words, is not going to be helpful in certain conditions. Is what I'm trying to say. It's good that you recognize that a lot of the imbalance of the CB1 and CB2 receptors are really paramount when a cannabis therapy. We oftentimes just think about you know one over the other. So it's good that you recognize that. No, I'm actually impressed, I'm and I know impressed. Gino is here, Erica, that, you know, we, we have a certain, we have, uh, Gino has done a lot of research in this field over the last eight to 10 years, and uh, for for us to have a pharmacist on here who is so uh, where you are with all of this is, is really impressive, and I'm so glad we have you on right now. It's magic to our ears. So uh, in your organization, is there a lot of people around the country with the same opinion as you about this, Erica? And, and how, what's an easy way for people to find your organization um, to, to learn more about you guys? Well, I would say Google compounding pharmacy near me, uh, see who's near you and call them and see if they carry CBD oil because they probably do. It's becoming more and more popular for us to carry. The CBD oil companies are, you know, they cater to us. In other words, they're at our events. They're talking to us um, about their products because we seem to be the most receptive. In addition to just the compounding pharmacy, a lot of independent pharmacies in New York, for instance, saw on my pharmacy's Facebook page that we were selling CBD. So I had independent pharmacists calling me across the state going, are we allowed to carry this? Because, you know, I'd love to, I'd love to bring it in. And, you know, after talking to them, they ended up bringing product in and, and they're doing well with it. So it's also, you know, an excellent 
profit driver from a business perspective because it's something you can have on your shelf to sell over the counter that people want. You know, they're, they're looking for it. Where can I go buy this? And a lot of people want to go to a pharmacy, especially if they take prescription drugs, um, to know, is it okay that I take this? You just nailed it, Erica. You nailed it. You nailed it. See, cannabis hemp is the -the over-the-counter of cannabis. And then cannabis THC is the not the -the over-the-counter. We go like it from my doctor like I do out in Penfield. Shout out to my doctor. (laughs) Um, But go on. I just had to interject real quick and let you know that he loves you right now. You're like his long lost. Well, I'm a (laughs) cannabis researcher. You know what I mean? I'm not, you know... it's it's been eight ten years that I've been researching it, but I actually have a degree and like been researching this. So, you know, it's, it's something I I'm passionate about. You know, every day something new is coming out. He was actually hoping he'd be correcting you on stuff. I think a little bit, Erica. Instead of not really be no, no no. Obviously, we don't want to be. We want to hear people like you. For so sure. so please continue continue on this road and and tell tell uh, explain a little bit about what the difference is between your pharmacy as a compounding pharmacy wellness versus uh, a traditional pharmacy people would get medicines from. Well, I don't feel I really compete with a regular. Um, what I would call a chain pharmacy, we don't do the same thing. From a conventional manufactured drug perspective, I, I have maybe 20 drugs on my shelf, and they're sort of like incidental. Someone's getting a custom medication from us, and they ask, you know, can you also carry this medication that I get? And we dispense that for them happily. <clears throat> so you can't walk into a regular chain pharmacy, most chain pharmacies, I should say, and get a custom medication. Now, when I say custom medication, what what am I talking about? Exactly. We do. The easiest easiest thing to point to is veterinary medicine. So uh, my animal needs this pill. It only comes in a tablet form for people, and it's not in the right milligram dose. Well, we can put the correct milligram dose for your pet's weight into a capsule or we can put it into a tasty liquid or, you know, even a, a treat, you know, that, that your pet will like. So half of my patients are cats and dogs. Oh, so you, so you are just as much for, for animals as you are for humans. That's really cool. Yeah, we're about half and half. And, you know, one of the big markets, too, over the counter right now is the CBD market for the pets. That, um, you know, we have a ton of... Uh, people coming in who are already getting medications from us for their pets. And they're saying, well, my dog's been lame for three years. And we're saying, well, give them some CBD oil and see what happens. I mean, they're coming in in tears. My pet wants to go for walks. He's wagging his tail. So, you know, there's like really cute stories like that with animals too. Like it's amazing. I would say if it works for your dog, there's really something to it. Um, Like homeopathic medicine, for instance, has been, you know, basically poo-pooed for people, but, you can give it to your dog, you know, and it'll stop them from licking their hot spot or it'll stop them from freaking out during a thunderstorm. I'm going, I don't know. I think this might work. I don't think you can uh, placebo affect your dog, but maybe, maybe you can. I don't know. I, the most powerful thing, right? No, you're um, right. That's, that's a great point, actually. Funny. I didn't even consider the placebo effect of it. Dog. No, that's so smart. So, uh, so, uh, tell me, to give me some exact stories of people you heard, like, give me like, like, you know, actual, actual stories, actual people. Cause, because I think people relate more if they hear like, wow, that's a, I heard a cool story about a horse from America 
Homo sapien people or animal people? <laughs> animal people. Oh, okay. Do you, do you have something off the top of your head, Erica? A, a story of um, someone that came in and used CBD and was crying or, or any one of those specific stories? I love actual stories. I love getting the meat of grit. Of well, stuff. I mean, the one, I think the one I just told you where the woman came in and, like, you know, her dog was, a, was, a, was her old dog again. And it had been years since it had wanted to go for a walk or even, like, get out of bed. I think that that's, that's like, one of my favorite stories because you can just, she was in crying, you know, and she comes in and she picks up the stuff and she's like, he's still doing great. Um, you know, that's one of my favorites. I have to be careful from a pharmacist yeah. perspective about, about the stories, actually, because I'm not allowed to make claims about CBD oil. No, nope, none of us are. <laughs> that I sell so, you know, if I could have come prepared and read a testimonial, but I don't have one handy. <laughs> no, I'm glad that you mentioned that because none of us. Can 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 say that you know. So. so please, why don't the two of you between the two of you explain this a little bit for people? Why why do, why do we have to be so careful right now in this point of CBD? Why why do we have to be careful um, with what we say when there's so many? It's called patents. Oh, there's so many good stories though, and, and it just bothers me. There's not a, enough studies, I guess, to justify the, the what the two of you are saying. There's actually over sixty five thousand studies in the endocannabinoid system, and about. 15, 20,000 studies on, on cannabis plant. I mean, probably more. I mean, I'm just throwing numbers out there. Everyone likes to throw numbers. So there's a lot of studies about cannabis. There's just not a lot of positive. There's not anything that America has studied. It always is always backfired on them. It always turned out to be, Oh man, cannabis smoking only gave us chronic bronchitis and did cured this and this and this and this and this. And it kind of backfired them. So every, Oh, driving on cannabis, we think it's going to be bad. Let's get a government study. And then it turns on them. And so, you know, America has been rah 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 prohibition and schedule one and patents and stuff like that inhibit people like pharmacists and uh, practitioners and such and anybody, anyone uh, to put on any kind of packaging that, that this is a uh, product that, matter of fact, you can't do that for avocados, grapes. So it's not just indicative to hemp. You can't, you can't just go to a grocery it's not, store. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a cannabis issue. It's, right, a, exactly. it's an issue of, uh, Anything that is not FDA approved, you cannot make medical claims about. And even things that are FDA approved, you can't make medical claims about unless it's for that FDA approved indication. Damn. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting thing. There's, a, there's an adorable study in uh, the British Medical Journal. They have a little a gag issue around the holidays. And it had um, an article saying that what they did was a, a review of all the literature that they could find. And they, they were not able to prove based on literature that uh, parachutes might save lives when jumping out of an airplane. So, you know, this is like, this, this is the joke, right? So <laughs> <laughs> we can have, we can have a level of common sense involved, but. Um, <laughs> I love it. I'm with the parachutes on this one. Yeah, please put a parachute on me. Like they should, they should have like a rack of chairs, like the group of chairs, the group, of, the group of chairs should like have their own like big, because we we like we like launch tanks out of C one thirties and stuff. So I think we could manage that. Maybe we can group a bunch of chairs up in those airliners, and we all can just like land to our little. So Erica, I don't know if you. Yeah, I love that. So I don't know if you <laughs> saw, but we the VCCF. So Gino is is um involved with the VCCF, which is the Veterans Cannabis Collective Foundation. He is the co-chairman. I'm not the, I'm not the, I'm not the co-chairman. 
I'm, I'm sorry. He's the chairman. I apologize. He's the chairman. Um, but we actually were out on our first acre um, with Industrial Hump a couple weeks ago. Because Jay's the co-chairman. I apologize. And the Thank chairman you. of the advisory board. So, so Erica, now, do you have anybody up there that's processing or anything you know? Because it's exciting times down here in Rochester, New York, where we're processing our first acre of industrial hemp right now. Like, well, how does that make you feel when you know that's happening in the state? I love it. I'm really excited about it. There was another another farm in, um, oh, jeez, I'm not going to be able to remember anymore, Oneana or something like that that's just opened up as well. Um, one of my independent pharmacist friends from the area actually went this past Saturday to the farm and sent me some really awesome pictures uh, of all the hemp plants and even some of the dried uh, hemp stalks. It's awesome. It's really exciting. Yeah, so next year we're gonna we're gonna be uh, increasing the acreages out of, for, under the VCCF uh, as well, and we have a lot of companies that, that want to jump in and start putting CBD in products like water. And I think someone just uh, sent a link to my Facebook page about Pepsi or Coca Cola, really monitoring this closely, or to just hemp foods it. in general too. And hey, Erica, real quick, we we got another ten to twelve days of harvesting, so come on out. You're more than welcome to come down Route ninety. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. Okay, yeah. So the place you went was uh, Head and Heel is the name of the place. That's that's where they went. They're, uh, where, they're yeah. in uh, Cortland, New York. Excellent. Yeah, so in the state right now, folks, there are 15 licenses out there for industrial hemp um, for people, for... Uh, organizations, I guess is the best way to put it, because there's some colleges in there. Um, but basically 15, five can grow, five can process, and five can grow and process. Um, so that's where the state stands right now with no new permits or licenses being uh, granted for the next at least 18 months that we're aware of. I'm so glad we got our license in combination. Yay. It's really interesting how they like to, uh, they like to, yeah, they like to start low and go slow, right? See how it goes. That's not a bad thing, really, because there's a lot of money. You know, I, me being a retired Marine and and working with the government, like I, I understand the fiscal responsibilities. As a matter of fact, everyone right now is spending their ass off right now before October, so they can get more money next year. Yeah, it's interesting, but like Erica, if you the Colorado and California, because it was kind of a wild west when that was first starting out right. there, there's a lot of people lost their shirts out there. So I'm kind yeah, of glad exactly. New York is doing it. Um, so in addition, there's also five companies with medical um, grade licenses as well that can produce medical grade mine. That's old. There's there's more than that now. So, um, but I believe there's only four producing products, and I believe Columbia Care. So you guys don't sell medical grade THC in your facility, right, Erica? No, I mean, are you guys are you guys aware of how the uh, medical marijuana is set up in New York State? No, please, please, uh, absolutely, the fill in the audience, though, please yeah. let them. Yeah, know. I mean, you, you have a you have a handful of companies. They did it very similarly. It sounds like to the industrial hemp. I think they started with five companies, and they could have up to four or five locations each. And each company is responsible for you know the growing, the extraction the production of the product, and then I'm sure, you know, there's no, um, you know, leaf or anything like that, or bud, I should say. It's all vapor and <clears throat> edibles. And New York State regulates all the pricing. So there's not really competition either. Um, it's, you know, if you go to this place and buy their high THC product, it's the same as all the other companies price-wise. Uh, so 
it's a little bit, it's restrictive. You know, one of the things from a consumer standpoint is competition, right? I have to go and pay $400 wherever I go for my medical marijuana in New York. So I'm, I'm sure that will evolve. They wanted to have a lot of control in the beginning. And I think that that's, I guess, responsible. But I think it has a long way to go so far Absolutely. as access. But that's not, that's not accessible to your average patient, I would say, who would benefit, like, who would likely benefit from it. I really love how, how many prescribers jumped on board with getting like their, you know, medical marijuana certification so that they're able to prescribe it. And I, one of the things I also like in that New York did was that a pharmacist needs to be operating the storefront. So a pharmacist is the one giving the patient their medication and talking to them about that. I thought that was a really smart idea as well. So yeah. there's some ups and downs, I think, with it. But I've, I'm also hearing it could, we could be recreational in months. Yeah, we're, we've heard uh, 18 months um, through through a law firm that's kind of involved in the process. So it looks like it's an 18-month to 24-month um, cycle. And we've also hearing that they're probably not going to approve flour um, being purchased. Now, I don't know if that means you'll be able to grow personally for your own consumption, but we don't believe they're going to approve the um, smoking of flour. Uh, Are you sure? I, I, I hope I'm wrong, but but I hope I'm wrong. Well, they better have dabs or they're not going to make any money. If they don't have whole plant cannabis dabs, then they're not making any money at all. I can just tell you right now, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's really weird. Because the medical cannabis law is so pigeonholed, and it's really for, and, and this is where it is, and maybe you don't know this, or maybe you do. So the, the medical cannabis is pigeonholed for the pricing and everything, so it can be competitive with pharmaco- pharmacologically. Because here in October, uh, cannabis hemp is being rescheduled, and so GW Pharma- Pharmaceuticals is going to own CBD, and they're going to have the patents and trademarks. So anything medically is going to be going towards uh, patient and hospitals and practitioners in that way with CBD and THC. And then adult use will be something totally separate, almost like how the industrial cannabis, a.k.a. hemp, is something separate from the medical. So there, you, you, you can do that. If you, if you can achieve those three levels in your state, then prohibition is, is somewhat controlled and complete and you can make money and you can, you can commoditize it. But if you go adult use and make cannabis legal, even though you have the two steps, the industrial cannabis and the medical piece, it's the adult use that's going to help the other laws be, get more progressive. And that has shown over all the states and shown history, even in Spain and Italy. Right now in Italy, the United States military grows all cannabis medical cannabis for the country of Italy. So that's how we've seen in the, in the, in the past. And that's how it's been here in the States. And so I hope they don't do that. No flower thing, but if they do that, they at least have to offer the vaporized whole plant dabs, which will make money. And it's a healthier delivery because I, I, I'm a, I'm a vapor person. So I'm, I'm dabbing under six thirty degrees temperature and using pens at 400, 350. So I'm all for the vaporization. So if they don't do the whole plant flower, they got to do the whole plant concentrates and let that market thrive and don't have people be in that industry that just want to you know, monetize something without having a, be a good product that's going to sell. So we'd have to go to other states. So the products you're seeing that you sell, the CBD products you're seeing that you sell in your facility, Erica, how, how, do you like them? Are they good quality? Are they coming out of New York, other states? Give us a little yeah, background. Yeah, where are they coming from? Is it, is it, is it, is it a, the over-the-counter hemp, like, like what you can find in... Like so vape. we have uh, we have one company that is 
produced in Johnsonville, New York. The hemp is from Colorado. And the other company I work with, well, I work with a few companies, but one of the other companies I work with is out of Phoenix, and they have European, you know, agricultural hemp imported that they're using. So I have two different ones. Uh, the European one's organic, non-GMO. Uh, the Colorado one is not certified organic, but they say, you know, grown organically, of course, and, uh, you know, also non-GMO. They're both full spectrum. I do carry isolate, actually, in capsule form. And I think that isolates have their place. Would you guys agree with that? They do. And I never thought yeah. I would say that years ago, but, you know, you, you just got to be careful with CBD isos, even more importantly than the THC isos. CBD could blocks your own uh, andamide, endocannabinoid, that works with the CB1 receptor in your brain. So in other words, it, it, it blocks your own THC transmission, your mood. So if you take too much CBD... When you titrate with CBD, get to a point where it works and you're getting wellness, but don't, don't try to increase and go too much because you can actually block off your own mood stabilizing transmission. I've seen it happen to myself and about half a dozen people in the last couple couple years. So isolates could be dangerous, THC, CBD, or otherwise, because the endocannabinoid system does not interact with singular uh, substances like that too well. So how do you take in isolates, guys? Like I don't. Yeah, but how would you like if someone? Um, I would, so like Erica, she like, said, how, I would yeah, do a full spectrum. I would try to get to you know something that's has cannabinoid entourage effect, has just you know the terpenes and the other cannabinoids with them, the other minor cannabinoids versus just a straight pharmaceutical grade ISO. Don't get me wrong; there's a reason or a place for those as well. But you have to just be, you know, in my opinion, you have to be just titrating small and work up. And everyone has a different endocannabinoid system, like she talked about earlier: metabolism, metabolites, what you're eating, how you're sleeping. You know, all these different things, you know, vary in how and how much you need. So, Erica, so what do you take for CBD yourself? <clears throat> I dabble in CBD. I'm not very good. I would say I have two kids because I can't remember to take something every day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so funny. So I was. Um, <laughs> so I use, uh, I mean, I have just like my little full spectrum. The company we carry is Gnome Extract. That's the one I'm usually using, but uh, I mix it up. You know, I have a lot of companies sending us samples, so I get down on a lot of CBD samples. I've used CBD uh, vape as well. So I I like all of them, and I've had benefits from taking the isolate capsules as well. I just don't know if that's good as, like, an, an everyday thing. I wouldn't you know, say I, it would be bad. It wouldn't be a bad yeah. – as long as, long as it's not you don't see your mood or – you know, you know your own metabolism, what you're eating. You know, the big thing about cannabinoids, and maybe you, you you probably know this, but if you don't, it's a really funny story, but you could have the largest man or woman in the world that you think you know, have a small dose of cannabinoids, you know, mainly psychoactive ones like THC and CBG, but it's the metabolites in your stomach that do the hydroxy-11 conversion from THC. And so, like, for you and for me and different patients, different people's, interacting with cannabis, the metabolites in your stomach, if you have a large amount of metabolites, then you'll be, you, you don't have to use a small amount of cannabis to get a response. But if you have a small amount of metabolites and your metabolism is small, the actual metabolites, because you can do a metabol metabolite test if you really want to do, um, those folks, what we've seen is that they have to you know, titrate small like everybody else, but they may have to take larger doses to get a better expression. Because I've seen people take like the whole cookies, a thousand milligrams, get nothing. 
Then I've seen people take a 10 milligrams or 25 milligrams and they're sleeping or eating, you know, it's really working, you know, so. Are you seeing that as well, Erica? Yeah, I mean, you just got me thinking about, uh, you know, about the dosing in general. So for, for pain, people are coming in with pain, I'm starting them on pretty low doses because if they're responding to that. Absolutely uh, smart thing right there. That's 100% the smartest thing. Uh, on the other hand, anxious patients, like if I give them the low dose stuff, they, it doesn't work for them, they throw it in the trash. So normally I'm seeing, you know, for anxiety and with mood issues, they're responding better to higher doses. That's just, you know, my observation. No, that's a I've really, I, can I interject real quick? Yeah. Um, with the, with the high dose patients, um, it's something that we're still studying as researchers and still trying to get some more data on it. But with anxiety, you're either running high or running low. So some people could be very low where, you know, they, they cut themselves, they're depressed and they're down. And usually THC and other psychoactive cannabinoids work better. But what I've seen in anxiety with the high anxiety where it's like you're running too high, um, the cannabidiol seems to have that effect where it moderates person's body's own THC and therefore a smaller dose may not be effective on that neurological disorder because there might be like a, a major deficiency, underlying deficiency, whereas some minor pain or something else is like more of a chronic illness. Totally fascinating, actually. You know, every, like, every, and everyone's different, you know. Like you were just saying, some people are going to have more of these, you know, metabolites, or are going to make more metabolites in their gut, and others are going to make less. Sure. So are you finding your what you're um, telling your patients, is it being modified from what you're hearing from other patients versus, you know, because obviously we can't pull this from studies like this person needs exactly this for that. Like, are you finding it's, it's, it's a, 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 I forget, I don't know. Like other term. case study? Because you yeah, do, yeah, you've done yeah. some really cool stuff that I've heard already, which I'm really happy about. You guys have already taken your own case studies because you, being a pharmacist, you can do that almost like somebody that graduates with XYZ degree. If they want to go into researching, they can, you know, research and study that particular so yeah. you you know you've taken case studies already where you can it's like a step up from an anecdote yeah she's so modifying have, it as right she, so you, yeah. do you have other uh case studies from other fellow pharmacists and stuff in the industry that are uh, that are like matching up from your case studies which are in my opinion better than anecdotes absolutely absolutely um <clears throat> i mean if you you can just any person can google CBD or THC or anything with any condition was followed by the word case study. And you're going to see things pop up, not just, you know, on a blog, like on, you know, PubMed would be like the main place where you would want to be looking for something like that. For sure. You know, and doing that search or go on, go on to Google scholar, but you'll, you'll find something. People come in with illnesses I've never even heard of or that I've heard of, but not really mentioned with uh, CBD products. And I look it up and I type in case study, you know, and see what comes up. Hey, guess what? There is about, you know, eight patients who have tried this for, and it looks like for about half of them, it, it really helped. So give it a shot. Um, I think people appreciate that more than an anecdote. Which are pretty There's high numbers, ones. which are really high numbers, yeah. by the way, compared to some like pharmacy and synthetic substances that have a really low percentage of positivity yet they're still legal right and case studies are really considered like the weakest form of evidence but i think for um 
from a, a layman's standpoint, and even from where I sit, a lot of times, you know, I'm looking at that and I'm going, well, that's something, especially a lot of, a lot of diseases don't have a treatment and don't have like any hope. And you're going, well, here's, it's not much, but you got a handful of people and it's not just, not just DVDO. It can be any, any type of treatment, you know, to say, well, it, it helped one person. I think especially with, with cannabis products, you're going, I always think what's going to be the harm inside it, right? The worst, the biggest hit you're going to take potentially is on your pocketbook or your wallet. Um, and, and that's pretty, you can be totally flexible in that regard too, you know, leave with like a small sample, whatever. So I would, I would say for most people, if you ha- if you have an ailment <clears throat> that it, it might help, give it a try, you know, unless, unless you have a contraindication, like you take a drug that interacts with it that you can't stop taking, you know, then you're not really eligible for it. You know, one of the most interesting ones I had was a person on oral chemotherapy and the medication worked by being activated by uh, liver enzymes. So if you could take this particular oral chemotherapy and if you didn't metabolize it, it wasn't going to do anything for you. You know, and it's the exact enzymes that CBD in particular, more so than THC, has an extremely high affinity for, so it has a really strong attraction to it, and it's going to block the metabolism of most other drugs uh, on its own, just by nature. So it's like a strong, what I would call, inhibitor. That's that immune system right there, right near the gut, where you got mainly the uh, CB2 receptors there in your, your stomach and then your spleen and then your pancreas are the two other top places. So even when I'm researching uh, the interactions, a lot of the interactions are, okay, yeah, it's metabolized by the enzyme, so what's it going to do? What are are the repercussions? That drug's going to stay in the body longer. So there's certain drugs where that's going to be super problematic, and there's certain drugs where that kind of goes in the so what category. You're like, okay, well, if you start having side effects and they match up with side effects of the drug you're taking – you know, you're having the interaction, and if you want to keep taking both of the things, maybe you need to reduce your dose of the drug, you know, and get it back to a level that's working. That's super interesting you're willing to do that with the patients, too. Like, I mean, obviously, cannabis is, is safe, but it's good that, you know, you guys are taking that, that kind of approach. And correction, not pancreas, that was tonsils. It was the tonsils, the spleen, and the stomach. For so your heavy CBD2 receptors, you're saying. Yeah, the, the most abundant place is your immune system and your stomach, and then your, your tonsils and your uh, spleen are the two other most abundant places. So I'm going to go off on a little tangent here, Eric. One of, one of the things we're going to do every week is we do a little feature called Fact, Fiction, or the Jury is Still Out. Oh, shit. So what I'm going to do is ask the opinion of uh, Justin Passamonte and Gino and you. Um, so I'm going to ask the question. Oh, hold on real quick. A round of applause for Erica so far, folks. Oh, gosh, yes. There we go. Erica, once we have our first date, I'll be asking you to marry me on the second date, just so you know. He'll wait to his fourth, but he's just telling you that yeah, now. Yeah, I'm telling you now. <laughs> so, uh, Justin, first first off, Justin, can you, Justin, um, overdose on cannabis, marijuana, slash hemp? Can you, Justin, what's your opinion? Can you die of an overdose of 
campus. Death. Death. No. He no says, way. no, I love that answer, Justin. He's such a good man. And we didn't even pay him to say that. He just knows. He just, I guess he's researching already. He's the man. So, so uh, Erica, what is your opinion? Can you overdose on cannabis? Jury is still out. Oh, so you don't know the answer. You, you believe that you possibly could. Well... I think overdose and die now, Erica. Think about the question, ma'am. I, I, I guess I don't know. I have seen people lose consciousness on cannabis products before, so I think that that could lead to death. I don't know if anyone's ever actually died from it. So wait, say, wait, wait. So tell us that story, though. I want to hear that story because we definitely want to play both sides of this fence at all times. So yeah, tell us please the story. give us the context yeah, about please. this going to sleep situation. Please. Okay. So yeah, the, I, like, I believe okay. it was. I it was it was it was with edibles, and uh, the the person the person you know fainted. They went unconscious, and I I would say edibles can sometimes be the most dangerous way to consume uh, some Are you sure cannabis products. Are you sure it's dangerous? Well, I that's that's where I've seen the most sort of adverse events with it. Uh, in high doses, right? So it's kind of like, hey, uh, Jenny made a batch of brownies and we're all going to eat them. And, you know, right. we don't really know what the dose is. And exactly. everyone gets too high and they've, they've consumed too much. And you have people literally losing consciousness, passing out. So I don't know if you can directly die from it, but if you, as I've personally seen, consumption of too much, faint. What if you hit your head? Well, yeah, you, you can die. secondary die from anything. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a great point. No, that's a great point, though, Erica. Yeah. So now, so I'm going to list my opinion because I know Gino is going to stay. So I'm going to well, list no, what I researched. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, what I what I researched was I just pulled up a couple articles. Um, so what I do is I like to tell you what website I went to. Um, so leafscience.com. Um, was the first one I looked up, and it says uh, marijuana overdoses do not cause death, unlike alcohol and many other drugs. While prescription painkillers cause thousands of overdose deaths each year, no one has ever died from a marijuana overdose. In fact, studies suggest it's impossible to die from smoking too much marijuana, but indirect deaths are possible and documented, which goes right to what you just said, Erica. Yeah, but that wasn't your question. No, no, I know, but yeah. We but, indirectly die from all kinds of things every day. That's right. Of course, what some people mean when they say overdose is simply taking too much of a drug. When using the definition, it's certainly possible to overdose on marijuana, which uh, it's certainly possible to overdose on marijuana, which could lead to unpleasant symptoms like anxiety, dizziness, or vomiting. Um, so can you die from marijuana but overdose? But we want to talk about the, the short answer quick? is no, because cannabinoid receptors, unlike opioid receptors, are not located in the brainstem areas controlling respiration. Lethal overdoses from cannabis and cannabinoids do not occur. Is that fit for you, Gino? Is that good? It's not that it's fit for me. It's, it's the science, and that's the truth. So it's all about those receptors. Yeah, there's little to none on the medulla obligata. And, and furthermore, and furthermore the, the, the reason why I talk about smart people like Erica, because she's still learning too, and I'm still learning. When we use the word dangerous, usually the word dangerous comes out to be an effect of like losing a life or causing some kind of toxicity. Cannabinoids are non-toxic and neuroprotectants. So when you take large doses of unknown doses of cannabinoids, when it turns from THC to hydroxy-11, what happens is, going back to the normal of not knowing how many metabolites one person has, what they're actually doing is, because cannabis is is non-toxic, the more cannabinoids you eat and consume, 
is the more it's non-toxic and it's going to pull the toxins out of your body. So the effect that people think that's ill and that's sick is actually a purging effect of the toxins coming out of your body. So that's actually not a toxic effect or, or, or an intoxicating effect. It's actually the toxins in your body. Uh, the, the endocannabinoid system, especially for new people who have not used can, cannabis or cannabinoids before, the person takes a whole bite, like you said, we talk about the scenarios, and they've never used cannabis, and their body's just been full of toxins the last 35 years from environmental, pharmaceutical, and the number one toxin are food called meat, dairy, and those kinds of products, which cause large inflammation and toxicity to the body. So we're talking about understanding what cannabinoids do versus speculating based on some type of, again, anecdote. So Eric, what, as far as in your pharmacy, like um, patients, what patients, what types of drugs have they had the most issues with? Uh, I mean, number one drug, and this is a drug that has an issue with all other drugs, is warfarin at the blood center. It interacts with everything. So, you know, say no more. If a person comes in on warfarin, I'm like, you're not really eligible for anything in my entire store because everything can thin the blood. Uh, And then there's a whole other handful of what they call low therapeutic index drugs. You you pretty much know if you're on one of these, which is like, uh, let me try to think of a couple examples here. Like benzodiazepines, especially diazepam. Oh, so CBDs increase will keep benzodiazepines in the system for longer. So problems with that, like you were talking about respiratory depression, um, drowsiness. Some people are like, "That's fantastic. My Xanax is going to work better," you know. And I say, "Well, just make sure you talk to your doctor about it, or you know, proceed with caution." It's a free country. They're the patient. They can do what they want. And then there's there's just some drugs like propranolol, for instance, which is a beta blocker. Some people are on it for essential tremors. Some people are on it for blood pressure issues. This is one that if you tip the scales on it, people are usually going to get side effects. So all of a sudden they'll have like heart racing issues or all, all different kinds of problems if they start CBDs when they're on that drug. So that one always raises a red flag for me. And uh, if you're on SSRIs, antidepressants, the CBDs will also slow the metabolism of those drugs and keep them in the system long. So if people come in to me and they say, you know, well, I'm having symptom X, Y, and Z, I usually look up and see what drugs they're taking, and I'm like, oh, well, these are three classic side effects of this medication. Well, I've been taking that medication for years. I said, well, now you've added something into it that's keeping it in the system longer and you're having the side effects. So, you know. I'm so happy to hear you say that. So just recently, just let me put this out there for people. So recently I went to my doctor. I had a, I had a couple traumatic experiences happen in my life. I had a, a very close relative die and I took my daughter to California and she's pretty much my best friend. Um, so I had a difficult month where I wasn't sleeping for like a week straight um, and I went to my doctor and she wanted to offer me, told her exactly the situation, told her what was going on. She's known my use of cannabis um, 
throughout. She's actually, we've done a stress test last year on my body because I wanted to see what my long-term use of cannabis, how it's affected me. And, and my stress test came out clean, but she immediately wanted to prescribe me Valium to sleep. And I said, listen, listen, sleep. The, I know what's causing my sleep. It's my post-nasal drip that wakes me up in the middle of the night. It's not the fact that I can't shut my mind down. I already know how to shut that down. I use cannabis and always have, but she wanted to give me Valium for sleep. Instead, she gave me a little tablet. It turned out to be a small milligram tablet that was, uh, I apologize, I don't know the name Ambien? of it. Um, no, no, not uh, Ambien. Just really something, an antihistamine, basically. And the antihistamine stopped my post-nasal drip, and I slept the next four nights better than I ever had, but she wanted to give me Valium initially. Like, hey, Erica, can you tell us, isn't, isn't Valium a minor narcotic and a benzo? Can you explain to everyone real quick the... Uh well, yeah, Valium, Valium, or also known as diazepam, yep. is a it's a benzodiazepine. Yeah, oh, it's okay. a controlled substance. I wasn't no, yep. I wasn't sure if I had a minor a minor narcotic mixed like some like some. You know how they do with some well, drugs. Usually they're singular, but sometimes they'll make two or three. To, you know, you know, you you know the mixing. You're the you're the compounding pharmacist. No, it's, you know it's, it's a it's a singular drug, oh, okay. and you know, nar- narcotic is is often used. Uh, interchangeably, yeah, just with I, I know what you mean. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, it's technically. Do you understand what she's talking about? Why, why, why you? No, I'm, I'm thinking. So I'm, I'm just thinking about like <laughs> where, where. So, so Erica, do you see a lot of this where in patients that maybe they're being prescribed something that something else really could be the root of it? Are you seeing that a lot in your pharmacy with patients? Well. Yes. <laughs> and how do you how do you handle Freaking. that? Like, because you're in the middle, like you're a middleman between the doctor you know and the patient. So you can't sit there and say your doctor doesn't know what the heck they're doing. Do this. Like, how do you play that? How do you play that? That's a tough line, fine line. Erica, what are you gonna do when you're on top of the hill and you're gonna get your skiing boots ready and uh, you know, uh, is over that line, baby? Easy, I love them. Uh, fortunately, I, I work in a place that we're not. You know, we're not concerned with the patient didn't refill their Ambien this month or, you know, that's, that's cool. not really what we do. They're not we're, into their drug the bag. Place, we're, we're more the place where people are coming in and they're saying, I take this medication and I don't want to take it anymore. How do I get off of it? Uh, so I, I'm already sort of in it in an advantage point for sort of what I already believe in. Uh, people are coming in and saying, how do I get off? of my proton pump inhibitor. They're not you saying that word. That's my little medical term. But that's going to be, you know, your little purple pill, your Nexium, Omeprazole, Prilosec, those types of drugs, because they've gotten a lot of bad press. And we've already sort of seen that those drugs are not good. Early on, I, I graduated from pharmacy school in 2008. And on one of the boards that I took, one of the questions was, what is one of the long-term side effects of omeprazole, which is one of these proton pump inhibitors? And it was bone loss. Okay, great. That's not good. Everyone's on it. And why is there bone loss? Well, disease uh, do. So they, um, <clears throat> what's it called? They decrease, they reduce the amount of stomach acid that you have. And that makes it more difficult for you to digest your food. So you don't really get your nutrients, including, you know, things that help your bones stay strong, like calcium and magnesium. So 
you're, you're seeing osteoporosis and things like that in men that have been taking this, amongst other issues that these drugs have. So a lot of people, this sort of got on the news, like this is like a thing that happens. And then all of a sudden, all at once, a lot of people want to get off of these drugs. And are there alternates? Of course, are there things that can help people, uh, you know, with their digestion and stomach acid issues? Drink of milk. course. One of the things we find is that, guess what? It wasn't had too much stomach acid, you had too little stomach acid. So these are kind of things that um, as functional medicine practitioners, which in my pharmacy and many pharmacies sort of follow this modality, um, um, we're usually about, we, we know about things about five to ten years before they sort of come to light, you know, so we, we've already had just a handful of people that were helping things and then all of a sudden the facts will be realized by the medical medical community at large and there's a big influx so cbd falls perfectly into this type of category like it's like a an einstein moment so you don't have (laughs) that moment i love it yeah the einstein moment so she don't have to have a medical cannabis company work with her to get her hemp cannabis products or whatever hemp products cbd products Right? Is that true? You don't need to be working with, like, say, a company that has the, the license. You can work with other companies that work with the over the counter. Yeah, hemp products right now, it's the wild, wild west. You know, it's not, it's regulated just like a, 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 like a food item, you're I gonna, guess. You're going like to love, love our products. Yeah, bad days. So bad days will be in your, in your midst very soon. Yeah, It'll yeah. be the highest quality you'll find. My, so, so uh, my, my next, my next new problem is that I know too many people <laughs> that are all trying to sell me their hemp products. Yeah. The oh, problem gosh, is, yeah, that's right. the problem is they haven't worked with the mad scientists yet though. They're all a bunch of fugazi scientists. Yeah, Eric is, Eric is learning that now. So just to finish up the fact fiction or the jury's still out, I do have one more thing that I want to read that was really interesting. And, the, and this I didn't get a chance to go to because I really wanted to get Erica's perspective, perspective of other drugs before I get it, finish this. So um, there was actually, uh, so the question is, can you overdose on marijuana, cannabis? Um, in fact, this topic was the subject of a fascinating court hearing back in the late 1980s. As part of an investigation to whether or not marijuana should be reclassified, a formal summary of scientific evidence was provided to the court. Um, so there is a report um, that you can go to, um, and I'll just go to it real quick. So, so it is um, in Judge Young. So the United States Department of Justice, Drug Enforcement Administration, the matter of marijuana rescheduling petition, docket number 86-22. Um, this is opinion and recommended ruling, findings of fact, conclusion of law, and decision. Uh, Francis Young, Administrative Law Judge, September 6, 1988. So you can look that up, but I will read just from the article a couple things that they say from it. Um, the most obvious concern with dealing with drug safety is the possibility of lethal, lethal effects. Can a drug cause death? Nearly all medicines have toxic, potentially lethal effects, but marijuana is not such a substance. This is what this study determined. There's no record in the extensive medical literature describing a proven documented cannabis-induced fatality. To provide a little context, the report goes on to make some shopping, shocking comparisons. By contrast, aspirin, a commonly used over-the-counter medicine, causes hundreds of deaths each year. Facts. Aspirin, which is people are told to take just for their hearts. Um, in strict medical terms, marijuana is far safer than many foods we commonly consume. For and example, water. eating 10 raw potatoes can result in a toxic response. By comparison, it is physically impossible to eat enough marijuana to induce death. But you could eat 10 potatoes. Or drink too much water, like 32 people do a year. 
Yep, you can overhydrate. You're saying are you saying uh, pot? It's it's safer than water. Yes, yes. <laughs> that's correct. Unless actually. A, unless a barrel that hits you in the back of the head when you hit the brakes or get in an accident, God forbid. Then 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 you know inertia and mass. That's all up to the. Uh, and, and there are obviously side effects, folks. So I like to play the double the he double side, side of it. So there are side effects. Like side effects to everything. Right. Dry dry and red eyes, cotton mouth. Wait, wait, maybe wait, wait hold on. Anxiety, red eyes? Maybe. Let's talk about the red eyes real Please, quick. Please, yes. Red eyes actually is the inflammation from your brain. It's actually a good thing because our brain is constantly, our whole body is constantly inflamed. But when you see these people, people have red eyes, especially in the beginning when you first start using it, like, look at my eyes. Do they look red? Mm-hmm. No. no I'm, Do, yeah. No. They're not really they're red. Not. No, they're no. not red. No. And I'm dabbing high, high concentrations of THC all day, vaporizing. So um, my inflammation is, is good. So when you see red eyes, it means that person has inflammation issues of the brain. That's interesting. So uh, is that why alcoholics have heavy red eyes, like glowing? Well, because alcohol is a depressant, so it is relaxing you. But it's also highly toxic, and over 250,000 people die a year, 88,000 by way of overdose. I love it. So, so have you seen anything that, that goes against what we're talking about here in your experiences, Erica? Uh, no, I haven't. Uh, I was going to play, to- play total devil's advocate. If, if an indirect death is still a death from, you know, I think there's, I have, I have some little questions about that. Like if you took PCT, for instance, and you jumped off of a roof, it, the fall killed you, but you probably wouldn't have jumped off, you know, if you hadn't, it's an indirect death. So, yeah. you know, so we like most, most yeah. of the, most of those, and she brings up a good point. Most of these, most of these, uh, results that have these cannabis related because most people are consuming cannabis. Most people that have substance abuse problems are still consuming cannabis. So what happens is if you look a little further in their toxicology report, you'll notice that there's benzos and narcotics and stimulants and they smoke cigarettes all day and drink beer. So, you know, we talk, we don't think about those being drugs and affecting the mind, but tobacco affects the mind at a really, really, really rapid rate and a high rate as well as alcohol does, even small amounts. So, you know, when we're talking about jumping off of places and it's because you ate too much edibles or you think something like that, we oftentimes have to think about what other drugs are taking, what are they consuming, you know, uh, and the interactions between the, the cannabinoids and those drugs. So, Erica, if you need to go to the bathroom or something, we want to jump into Gino's bag. So we're going to chat for a couple minutes here, and uh, we're going to let Gino talk about some pop culture stuff. Oh, Gino's got to go to the bathroom. So, so Erica, so uh, I want to talk a little about my YouTube channel. So I have a YouTube channel out there, everybody. I haven't really talked about it yet. It's Brian Lane. You can look it up at Brian Lane Ski Videos. Uh, So part of what Erica and I um, did last winter when we got to know each other was ski. And my favorite thing to do is ski trees. And Erica's favorite thing to do is just tear it up because she is awesome. So what, what's your favorite kind of skiing? Where's your favorite place to go in New York State, Erica? Are you a Gore fan, Whiteface? What's your favorite? Uh, I'm mainly a Gore fan, I would say, for New York skiing. But I grew up skiing all over the area. I think just as an adult person with kids, it's easier for me to like pick a mountain and do the season pass thing and go for it. So number one, gore right now. And you guys, uh, so your boys are how old? They are seven and eight. And they do like the uh, mountain adventure program there at Gore. So it's it's basically six. You can either pick Saturday or Sunday. We're going to do six Sundays. It goes in January and February. There's a couple holidays mixed in there that they don't have class. So it basically takes up the whole month of January and the whole month of February. 
And then we all get season passes too. So, you know, some weekends we'll go Saturday and Sunday and on all those Sundays, I get my, you know, alone skiing time, which is awesome. That Brian and I met. And then, uh, on Saturdays we'll go as family skiing and they're really becoming straight up little ripsters. So they can definitely, well, they can actually ski much faster than me, but that's when I have to start to remind them to take actual turns so yeah. they don't die. Turning is boring, mom. <laughs> Turning is boring. I used to be told by my son. So um, have they indulged in the trees? I'm sure they love the trees already, right? Um, they don't have any fear in the trees like me. I'm like, to- I'm just a klutz and I'm always like, I'm just going to hug a tree. That's just going to be what happens. <laughs> and also I'm, I'm a little more used to skiing trees out west. You know, where it's just kind of deep powder and close your eyes and go. And I guess we have that in the Northeast, but I just, I don't think I'm, I have my ski legs under me here. For many years, I only skied out West. So kind of, I, I only know ice trails in the Northeast and, you know, deep powder out West. That's, it. That's right. So that makes you like one of the best skiers on the mountain though, because we can handle any, any conditions coming out of the East. I know. I love that. So how are you so fortunate to be able to ski out West? What, what, who brought you out there or what brought you out there? So interestingly, uh, my dad was the pharmacist at Snowbird Mountain in the seventies. So he has, you know, some deep seated roots there. He was hanging out with this, uh, disco Dave powers who still skis at Snowbird. Um, and he was the DJ at the tram club in the seventies. I mean, can you just imagine what a scene this must have been? And my dad bought a timeshare at the Iron Blossom way back then. And so, you know, kind of like the family vacation spot. We go out there and ski for the week. That's where I learned how to ski before I even have a memory of learning how to do it. So did you get buried in the snow when you were that young? I mean, I I think about there like foot, two, three feet of powder and you at a young age, you must've been what, like seven, eight, nine years old when you started going out there? Uh, no, try like two. Oh, I love I, it. I honestly, I, just, I do not remember learning how to ski, which, which is why, like, I have no idea how to teach my kids how to, how to ski. I'm like, well, you just put on your skis and go down the mountain. Like, it's that easy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, like. <laughs> that's awesome. I so, love uh, they're definitely in lessons. So I'm like, mom, I don't know how to teach this. Cause I don't, I have no memory of learning. It was always just second nature. Cause I think I was taught so young you know, it's like one of those little kids that you're going, what's this kid doing on this chairlift? Like, you don't go up, you know, but then yeah, they, where's you know, the parents? Down. <laughs> I love no, so your dad is a very good skier from, from, from what I've heard from like, uh, the 10 or 12 people I've met around you, I'm around you. Like your dad is like in pretty intense. Is that not correct? He is certifiable on the mountain. Um, in standard wise, you know, he's just gloss any pitch, any condition, you, you, could, you could drop him on a helicopter in the middle of nowhere, someplace he's never skied, and he's just off, you know, taking it head on. So that's what I grew up skiing behind. And that's how, that is how I, when I got older, learned how to ski better or, you know, more following him just right in his track. As he would go, I just skied right behind him all the way down the mountain. That's still one of my favorite skis when I ski. I'm actually the most 
confident that I'm following him or anyone else who's really good at skipping. I'm totally convinced. So, I'm totally convinced that uh, it's going to be maybe the, 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 fourth, the fourth date. Fourth date? Oh, you're out of your mind. You guys are just really talking about some really cool ass shit, huh? No, are you kidding me? Skiing? You guys are I, really I in your ski bag for... right now, huh? So, Erica, we're definitely going up to Vermont this year. I want to hit Stowe. Have you been to Stowe before? I can't wait to hang out with you ski bunnies, man. Yeah, I'll do dabs, but I won't ski. I'll just hang out with you guys. I don't do that the whole on mountain type thing. Danger and shit. I'm done with all that. He's a city boy. Oh, I've done my danger, folks. <laughs> So, Erica, um, I appreciate the talk of the skiing, and I can't wait to learn more about, uh, like, your father and, and all this stuff. But you you are coming from a family pharmacy, right? Was it your dad who started the pharmacy then? No, it was my grandpa. Ooh. Think about it. Okay, so your yeah, grandfather. Third gen. <laughs> so third. So you said your dad had a pharmacy out west, though, is what you just mentioned. So I'm trying to put it all together. Well, so. no. See, the... the uh, my grandpa had the pharmacy here. My dad w- worked at the pharmacy at Snowbird, like, you know, in the lodge there up on the mountain. So it, he became very well known. Still, when I go there, I'm friends with all the, you know, quote unquote old guys because that's like who I know there at Snowbird. I still have yet to break into like the young cool guy scene. It's just not really my, my place out there. Um, and grandpa, my grandpa was still running the store back here in New York. And actually, he was then working. My dad was at um, Hogue Hospital in Newport Beach. That's where he met my mom, who was a uh, labor and delivery nurse there. And they got, I, I was actually, I was born in Newport Beach, and so was my sister. So that's kind of where we hail from, California Heart. Wow. Newport Beach, California? California. Oh, about to say that. No, that's, that's okay. That's the, all right. I I get the right place. This girl's awesome. That's a cool place. I'm a Cali kid. Born in Cali. I love Cali. Skied out West her whole life. Oh, man. Can go anywhere. She knows everything about CBD. We got athletic issues. Yes. Does does every guy in Albany area know how, what a treasure you are? And by the way, for those of you who don't know, I'm sure she wouldn't do it for us on the spot, but she's a phenomenal singer as well. Oh, man, we got the studio all set up and everything. <laughs> hey, you know I'm a manager, right? I manage well, a rapper any, and an there, R&B artist. Is there, about, is there any song about cannabis we can sing? Um, we <laughs> definitely can work that out and get a 16-bar come your way. You know what? Jay Passamonte, I just figured out your next project, well, he's, sir. He's my he's my engineer and producer. We just we just talked about it a few yeah, minutes ago. So now we he's just, just, just going to make you'll, a cannabis you'll song. Have, you'll have to have me on. A, we'll have a later episode where you have me on. And we'll do a musical about cannabis and some related topics. Oh, I love Perfect. it. It'll be educational and we'll put like a really good like updated music right like hook to it and everything. Like it'll be like something that can be like broad spectrum like pop to touch like all the peoples. It's going to be called the Hempathletic Musical. Erica, you're yeah, going to Almost like it. a Michael Jackson rendition where we're bringing, we are the world, you know, we'll do like a hemp like we are the world kind of thing where we can touch all African, yeah. all African people the first Africans and everyone. What do you think? Like, bro? Uh, okay, I'll, I'll give you guys a little sound bite. We'll do a heal the world, make it a better place for CBDs for you and me. Okay. How's that? That's perfect. <laughs> all right. Oh, thank you, Jay. All um, right. So now we're going to jump into a feature for about 10 minutes or so. Fire. 
Yes, and we want to get Gino going here. So for about 10 minutes, Erica, you get, get to relax going. and she's just our, listen to, to Gino. He's going to tell us about some uh, new events, current events, and we haven't decided the name on it, but we think this is going to be something like I'm in my Gino's bag. bag. I'm in my Gino's bag. bag. So I'm before in we jump bag. into Gino's bag, I just want to say something. I don't follow pop culture. Me, myself and Justin don't, so that's why you we have Gino. rap culture? No, definitely not that. Culture? But there, uh, I don't follow general media either, but... I want to say right now, I want to put a shout out because I am my one of my indulgences is I'm a huge basketball fan and the Sixers and the Orange Men are my teams for those that cared about that kind of stuff. And I'm a huge Sixer fan and we just hired Elton Brand as our general manager. And I just want to say I am so glad Brian Coangelo is out and Elton Brand is in. So I will not interject very much on this kind of stuff, but I am so happy Elton Brand's my GM. So. <laughs> Shout out to the Sixers who will be in the NBA Finals against LeBron and the Lakers this year, and we will beat them. Thank you. That's my second team, by the way. Sixers? Lakers. Oh, well, then I guess we're going to be fighting this. I'm a Nick Lakers fan. I know it's complicated for everyone. You stole LeBron from me. If he wouldn't have finger, if he would have dunked it in that finger roll, that we would have had one. Hey, so uh, Justin, can we have a little a little shotgun, little shotgun noise here for for Mr. Geno's in the bag? Ooh, I like it. Here comes in the bag. Oh, man. I'm in my motherfucking bag, people. Listen. Every week, we're going to have two subjects, topics, and they'll be the same. It'll be about hip-hop and rap slash R&B pop culture, as well as military and news and technology. Shoot them, shoot them, shoot them. All right, folks, so let's talk about a little bit of hip-hop culture today. Well, in the news, let's talk about right now the top five albums that are out right now, September 19th. It is September 19th, isn't it, Jay? Indeed it is. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I only want to talk to my engineer at this point, so my co-host can just go like do things and listen, laugh, do what he wants to do. No, nah, I'm just kidding. So let's talk about it from number one, folks. That's right, Slim Shady's doing it right now with that kamikaze. Well, you knew he would, he would, he would get it in, and uh, so he's putting all that uh, good lyricism and uh, hip hop and slapping all you bitch ass brothers out there and sisters, showing you what a forty five year old hip hop master can do. Russ with Zoo is in number two. Shout out to Russ and my ancient Latin brothers. So really big shout out to all my. Russ with his Zoo uh, album there. He's doing really well. Zoo, uh, Zoo's performing pretty good numbers on Spotify and throughout all the networks. So Z- watch out, Kamikaze. Uh, Zoo's on the rise. And I listened to that this morning and a couple days ago. So I'm a big fan of his music. Number three, Scorpion is still doing it. Uh, that's right. That's that Drake, Drizzy Drake brother. Number three, you know, when you're still number three months later after you dropped the album, you know you're big shit. So, big shout out to all those Drizzy Drake fans out there. And, ba-bam, Mac Miller in number four with Swimming. I got to tell you, folks. I miss him already. It's so hard to oh, listen to Mac you. Miller. I mean, I've watched his brother 10 years ago come into this. And, I, I, you know, this is like real super personal for a lot of people in the news and hip-hop and, and, and R&B and throughout, you know, pop culture, all the general. But more importantly, you know, the culture of hip-hop, which I'm entrenched in. And for all you listeners out there that know about the hip-hop and R&B culture, it's a really tight culture out there. And so it really hit us hard when someone that 
that had so much potential that was like a mix, master, engineering, producing, and he was just starting to get into his bag, man. He was just starting to get into his music mm. bag, and we lost him too much. I loved the sound of his voice. Oh, uh, well, did you listen? You listened to his yeah. new album, like you said. Yeah, and, and it's, he's just. Oh, man, I wish I had known about him. I, I wish that's one guy. I wish I had been in the culture and followed a little bit and really enjoyed his career because. Like I've said on a previous podcast, the, so talented. the video when he was young to what I saw just before he passed. Is Gunshots just... for Mac Miller. All right, so that's swimming, Mac Miller, number four. On to number five, and again, another badass, and one of my favorites, from H-Town. That's right, Houston, hashtag Houston. That's my motherfucking boy. Who? Astro World, that's right. <laughs> my brother World. Scott. Yeah, the, the album Houston is Astro World. Huh? Houston Astros? <laughs> No, I'm just saying. Now, have you listened Travis to that Scott, one? Do you like that Travis one? Scott. Have you listened to that one yet? I have not. But Travis Scott is in his motherfucking Houston bag because that album is wonderful. It has the timeless music that everyone's still playing on replay over and over and over again, especially Sicko. And there's so many. NC17 with 21 Savage. Shout out to 21. Everyone was hot in that album. Um, real quick, you know... Uh, it's a big thing nowadays for, for people not to understand, you know, substance abuse and you know, all of us included. We're still learning every day. But please, uh, if you got any help out there, it's just call a friend, ask, you know, you can ask anybody about anything. And please, consume as much as cannabis as practical and possible within your, within your own body uh, because you'll find yourself in those bad times just making better decisions and consult with your doctor. On to the military news I can't wait and to technology. Hear about this. I want to hear about this tooth speaker thing. What is this? Big shout out to uh, the military news and technology portion of Geno's in his bag. Got to tell you, all you military heads out there in tech bags and all you Elon Musk lovers like me, I got to tell you, I get excited when I see shit like this. First thing I want to talk about, I'm going to mention three things a week. On September 19th of 2018, let's talk about Boeing's and the U.S. Navy's new refueler. That's right, folks. The U.S. Navy and Boeing's been working on a project for a while now. And for all you fucking refuelers out there at 40,000, 50,000 feet, refueling all those crazy men and women flying around in those little tin cans, God bless you. But you're going to have to find a new fucking job here soon, folks, because AI technology is going to be replacing you with your new autonomous MQ-25. That motherfucker's going to replace all of us, and we're fucking cyborgs, like I said earlier. On to number two, folks. Hold on. So well, number one, just to, just to, for people who don't know, sure. basically in the air on long-distance type trips, you have planes that will refuel other planes, whether it's we're jets We're going to have my or... lieutenant colonel brother-in-law that, don't, that loves me but doesn't talk to me right now because my family's or my ex-family is who they are, and he's in the military, flying missions at 50,000 feet, refueling. He's a refueler. Mm -hmm. So he's going to tell us all about it. Perfect. No speculation over here. Uh, so it, it is a great technology, isn't it? Yeah. Anytime you don't have a human being that uh, UAV is a risk, refueler? Yeah. As, as long as you have all the sensors to determine, like... That's harm reduction. Only, what harm, we yeah, about. that's right. Harm reduction, because if there's a human flying about, there, right? right, there's going to be variables, and as long as the computer can pick up the variables, the same as a human being, I'm all, all for it. And if something's catastrophic, catastrophic, of course, it costs us money, but no one had to be dead for yeah. it, so I'm so excited. Me too. On to the number two topic... All right here. Da -da -da -da. Folks, I was really, really, really caught off by this one. You know, 
technology is, is, is something else. And like every day something's coming out. September 19, 2018, another amazing thing came out, by the way, of the military. It's called a microphone inside your mouth. That's right, folks. There's a microphone inside your mouth that connects to your mouth like anyone's mouth. They just put in like a mouth chip. And you can have radio technology with your other teammates as well as going to secure comms. So instead of going on different radios and having different heavy radios and all these different things, you have this one microchip that fits in your mouth, ladies and gentlemen, and you're on to talking on general population frequencies as well as those secure comms. So all you tech end lovers out there flying the UH-1 Novembers and those slow piggies, fuck the tech ends and go ahead and throw the little microchip in your mouth. You can talk to all your brothers and sisters, including the enemy. That's crazy. So my question is, is this made by Harris Corp, I wonder? So most people don't know that many of the radios in our military right now are made here in Rochester, New York, at a facility called Harris Corp, uh, a high secure facility that that provides most of the military radio. So I'm yeah, curious. I wonder bro. if they're the ones providing. I'll be very interested. I don't know, some man. People know. That's a really good topic of discussion. Uh, we will support we will in Rochester, New York. Figure jobs. this out. I have it in my notes. Hey, listen, folks. We're all about supporting. We're home of RIT, home of the performing arts. We have one of the best music schools in the world. Okay. I believe it's called the Kodak. Eastman School of Music. It's yeah. called the Eastman School of Music, and we, by far, are one of the best musical cities in the country. We and, one of technical the best school, and technical schools uh, come second there. I don't like to say second, because RRT is amazing, and we have an engineer working with us and our team on Bad Days. He's not directly with the team. He's a uh, secondary member that owns a few companies. So we're tied into the technology, folks. But anyways, what an amazing, three. What an amazing technology, right? So I'm going to be talking to you in the future. Yeah, we're definitely going to with no phone. piggyback that. And on to number three, I think this is pretty damn cool too. Let me tell you something, folks. We got a little brain aviation going on here. Brain aviation? Yeah. We brain. mean your brain can fly without your body? Man, we got... Man, let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> man, I'm so into my bag right now. I feel so good. Just took a nice couple of dabs. Feeling good, bro. Endocannabinoid system is doing good. And here in the future, I'm going to be able to put my motherfucking little little instrument on top of my head and control UAVs from just putting a little instrument on top of my head like a little bag, like a little, like a little, like a little hat. A so little a hat cap. will go on with sensors that touch your brain and you're going to be able to control stuff? You're going to be able to control un... What? This is out there now for the military right Yeah, now? it's out there, What's baby. What's it called? Is there a name? You know, I will not share... Um, any names that are not publics, published. Okay, that's public. fine. Good. They, they had the MQ-25. A lot of these things, folks, are uh, secret and top secret clearance, and I still do hold a secret and an interim top secret. So I'm not no stupid, brother. I told you I'm in my motherfucking bag, and you ain't getting me out of it because I like to be out here using my cannabis, trying to help the world, help myself, help my brothers and sisters, bring the first Africans and the old Africans together. Well, Anyways. Well, I love the bag. I love the feature. Thank you for all that information, Gino, because you, I sir. will not listen to uh, the radio culture, the, the music culture. I can't oh. keep up with There's too much going on. But well, now I have my boy here to keep me up to speed on, on the nonsense going on. Thank in you. The but real quick, world. I want to elaborate and interject on our, on, our, on our new, on our very new uh, podcast representative that will be in our podcast on days that we don't have. Fabulous guests like we have on today, Erica and Erica. others. We will have Shahid Shabazz. Congratulations for our Shahid Shabazz, another VCCF slash 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 veteran, former major, former Huey pilot. 
on to the podcast. Yeah, we hope you liked him in in episode three, and he's going to be a regular contributor to the podcast, everybody. Because we are going to break out a new word that we have made up here in the technical and the very ethos, very open-minded, very cultural or diverse, progressed city of Rochester, New York, where we have now taken the word out of white or Caucasian. We think that's negative. And we have put in the word first, African, because it's the first Africans to leave because they were the first ones to get north and lose their pigment. And Chinese, you're first African peoples too because you're white. <laughs> you may think you're not, but you're pretty white to me because I'm pretty dark. <laughs> yeah, but we so love Gio you. Was definitely the ones that just stayed behind and, and, uh, yeah. and drank rum and relaxed yeah, while we all explored. And we're all going to bring each other together because between Brian Lane, our first African brother, and myself, the ancient old original the Latin. blue eyed. Yeah, and we got Shahid Shabazz, another fellow Sicilian African brother like me and Middle Eastern brother. We are going to bring the world together as you know it with cannabis, hemp, and all cannabinoids in general. I don't care if they're isolates or otherwise. All you firefighters, all you cops, all you military members out there, the military doesn't test for CBD. Go ahead and get your hemp and cannabis. It ain't illegal. You think it's illegal because it's against the law, but it really ain't. They ain't got Just no test sure for it. Just make sure you know what products you buy. Make sure you make look sure it's at an the... isolate product. Make sure it's a 99.8 or 9 isolate product. Yeah, but also make sure what you know what's on the packaging so no, you don't get you busted use... for THC because use... there's a lot of but products listen, out there that aren't good. Right. But what he's saying is to interject, because I don't want to lose this, this, this opportunity, folks, because he's saying something great, not to talk over him. He's 100% right. Do not get anything that has 0.3% or above, or if you use it, it can build up in your system, even 0.2, 0.1. That's all it can build up. So if you're in the military or, the, or, or somewhere where you have a contract or you can't test for THC at all, and you don't want to take a chance, that's where Eric and I were agreeing on the isolates. Not only do they work, in low doses and, and in higher doses, but they're but but you can't get tested for it. It's not the way it works, folks. We don't have a test yeah, for that. CBD one will not test positive. It's a immune system. It's a psychoactive with respect to the immune system, not the brain. You cannot get high in the brain with it. Now, when your CB1 receptor does have a problem or malfunction or it falls falls out or has a problem, and it fires out. I don't know if Erica knew this, but Erica, I want you to chime in. Do you know that when you have a CB1 receptor that uh, has a problem, it builds a CB2 receptor right beside it? No, I didn't know that. Isn't that amazing science? I don't yeah. have the I don't have the, uh, the study or the the. It's not an anecdote, folks. This is real raw cannabis science. And so, anyone out there's got any uh, questions or concerns? So, what about was that? it that you just said? Do you know, say that. What again? I said was is uh, what we found as researchers. We found that uh, through a lot of studies. Um, and now it's, 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 it's pure. It's not anecdote no more. Um, they, uh, they found that when the CB1 receptor is, uh, pretty much on its way out or malfunctioning, because remember folks, if you're not consuming a healthy amount of plant-based omega three to six ratios, um, you will not, uh, effectively help your endocannabinoid system, this endogenous system, because, those healthy omegas that we can't make or, or produce ourselves, they help condition their receptors all over our body and the receptor system in general. And so get those uh, products from hemp and cannabis hemp. And for all you plant-based vegan brothers out there like me and sisters, make sure you consume cannabinoids, cannabis hemp, hemp seeds, hemp powder, protein, hemp milk every day. Because remember, there's protein in every plant, folks, but you got to consume those dense 
proteins like the lagoons and the dark beans. You can't be a, a dirty vegan out there eating a chopped up lays and shit and call yourself a healthy vegan. You're the same as a meat eater. Ooh, speaking of which, concerned. Erica, what what is your diet? What's your regular diet? So just so you know, I'm more of a meat eater with a little bit of veggies. So you're and an omnivore. Gino, yeah, and eater. G- Gino is a, a, a vegan. A whole food plant-based. So, so where do you fall, Erica? I am, I eat what I would call uh, a little bit paleo, a little bit pegan, and then sometimes pizza five days a week. So, you know, I mix it up. Uh, oh, she's conscious. At, at my, yeah. So pegan is like a, a paleo vegan. We're kind of more focused on what you're talking about here. Like, you know, the good veggie sources for protein and all that. But yeah. I don't do legumes and stuff like that. It can bother some people. Legumes are tough on some people, especially the omega threes and peanut butter is really high, by the way, or no omega nines, by the way, or no sixes. So I kind of stick with I stick with like the paleo the paleo veggies, you know, that are sort of recommended in that diet. But uh, so what what are those for people who don't know? Yeah. So what are those? Yeah. What what type of vegetables are those that you're describing for people? Um. Well, I. I guess I should say it's actually all vegetables. I think what I mean to say is not legumes, not potatoes. Um, th- those would be the main exclusions from most people's normal. I think uh, what she's talking about veggies. is dense nutrition based, like beans and like dark greens and like things that have high nutritional uh, density. Is that is that what you like, that you guys really focus on to have good nutritional uptake instead of taking? I think, I think those are those are fine ways to eat. I don't I don't do beans myself. Right I have. Historically, but not now. Well, you know what we um, talk what what he was talking about before, because like a lot of vegan or plant based people yeah. eat a lot of like processed foods or like foods that are like not really nutritionally dense, because they're plants and they have value. They just don't have a lot of nutritional value. So I wasn't sure if that's what that was. Yeah. The paleo. I think uh, probably probably the perfect diet is like vegan, but I would throw like eggs and fish into it. Look That's at her, look at her I, man. Look at her being really so, so you think from your, from your opinion as, uh, you know, being around the pharmacy industry your whole life, obviously, because it started with your great-grandfather, yeah. you're, you're thinking, uh, and this is why I wanted to ask you this, because you see diet as an impact on everybody's life in many different ways. So you think the vegan diet is probably the best with, with mixing in eggs, you said? Well, I mean, she's just saying that, because she said it two-part. Two I think she personally liked to throw the eggs in there for yeah. her personal nutrition, okay, but yeah. I don't think she was speculating Otherwise, I think if I had to speculate because the science talks about whole foods, plant-based diet being the most healthiest as far as like disease modifying and like changing disease and stuff, you can't refute that. You can be a doctor and like try to sell Zoloft, but at at the end of the day, like plant-based diet, whole foods, like real dense nutrition, organic food, like is is not going to be as toxic as any of the other food groups and could include dairy, dairy and meat and eggs. But why not, why not throw in some, uh, you know, pastured Organic eggs. Well, yum, eggs, eggs are actually cla- class two carcinogens. They actually, they're, they have more cholesterol and saturated fat than meat does. I actually would recommend eating uh, lean red meat over eggs. Eggs is very, very toxic and well, not good for you at I, all. I, I would, I can say. I could agree to disagree because I don't right. think in, in certain people that's absolutely true. Right. It depends on what you eat. If you're eating a high quality vegan diet and you're eating eggs, your nutrition is going to be kicking butt. 
Yeah, Every maybe you're right. Maybe you can get away with that. Yeah, yeah, maybe people I, no, don't want to be too. That's a great point, you two. I want to I want to yeah. interject on this because, and this is a great point that I think a lot of people make mistakes of. So yeah. what Gino is saying is right in the context of someone who's obese and unhealthy in other ways. Yeah. But but Erica and myself and Gino are all very healthy, lean individuals. Like, and we're not saying that to rub people because the way we eat and, the, and our and we regularly exercise and we use cannabis right, and right. all of us are lean individuals that we're talking right now. So what Erica's is saying is if you have a good diet and I preach this myself is I do what I do eat, eat, work, right. as far as exercise and nutrition and discipline so I can eat what I want when I want and drink what I want when I want basically in and moderation that, and that's fine like that you that you know again like I, I'm not trying to be hyper analytical about it like you said I think there's people that are really really super sick that that don't want to take the chance and put in a small hole in the uh, in the balloon so like me being a really sick person and having like diagnosed with all kinds of different diseases. And so I, I don't take chances. I just go with the plants all the time. I don't, I don't have time for, for the, the other harm reduction. Whereas someone else that may be very healthy can get away with a little bit like what she's saying, get away with eggs That's and stuff right. like that, that maybe it doesn't have an effect on them or maybe they, they don't care otherwise. Because personally, at the end of the day, as long as you're happy and you're not harming anybody, you should be able to like, you know, partake in what you want to partake in. I mean, I know it kind of goes against, you know, like a vegan value, but I don't really look at it that way. I look at it as being a good steward to other people and bringing people together. So like I'm a level 10 vegan for sure. But um, I also encourage people not to segregate themselves and to like tell people what they should and shouldn't be doing. And so we should just kind of work together. And if, if somebody else picks up good habits of one another, that's good. But we also have to look at the raw, raw science on unfertilized birds, which is called eggs. And it's very, very, and I, I encourage people not to be negative, but I encourage people to look in the delve into the true, true science and, and, and from the Netherlands and Scandinavia about those particular stuff. So if, if anyone out there is listening, if you're going to consume dairy and meat, stay away from dairy and all the processed stuff and, and, and eat lean red meats. Actually, there's more saturated fat and cholesterol in, in bird. So if you're going to stick with the meat, hunt the meat yourself. Don't go to factory farms. And, and try to, and if you do, try to limit your exposure to the grocery store and these places as much as possible because you can't, no one's perfect. So for everybody out there listening, it doesn't matter that I'm a vegan and that Brian's this and she's that. We all come together and we learn sh shit. And so, so Erica, do you eat a lot of hunted meat? I eat a lot of meat, yes. But I try at times, like I think at my very best nutrition, I'm using meat uh, more, more towards the top of my pyramid than the bottom. But uh, it, I, I, I'm ever-changing, you know. I kind of do what is making me happy at the time and what's working for me. And I have kids, and I get really busy, and Taco Bell. You know what I mean? So I'm bad, too, but I'm, I'm generally very good. And I don't, I don't like to uh, preach, really, about Christians. There's so many opinions about well, it. No, that's right. That's right. Well, that's, you, why you see, that's why we talk science. That's why we talk science here. Mostly. Like everything, that, like, everything that I talked about about with respect to nutrition as a science. For instance, I want to see what your opinion is on this too, Erica. Well, we, I mean, no, we I already talked question. about what I think about, well, no, no, about no. science. This is, this is opinion about... Science is now. Yeah. No, this is opinion based on your, your, you being a professional in, in, uh, in, this, in this field with, with, with this particular yeah. subject. So you carry a lot of weight. So when you say something, a lot of people... No, I'm not going to hurry yeah. up. No, I'm not going to hurry up. A lot of people are going to... You, you could potentially in the future have a lot of... Um, say, like you could really push the push the culture with respects to people's diets. So I want to 
you know, I have questions for, for folks like you that have these really good uh, understandings of diet and you're really open-minded and you're not just saying, oh, eat this and eat that. Um, if, if, if the pancreas needs fiber for it to, for it to be uh, operating properly and animal products don't have fiber in it at all and are just made of saturated fats and cholesterols, all meat products and all dairy products, why would we as health professionals put a product in our body because it's the number one drug and the problem in the world is not getting cardiovascular disease from eating lagoons and organic beans and organic rice. We're getting cardiovascular disease from eating meat and dairy. So I'll, I'll just say this. For where I stand nutrition-wise, a lot of what I do is more uh, elimination. Foods to avoid and foods to include. I think there's a lot we can agree upon, like, in that realm, right? So dairy, bad, but, you know, gluten, bad. I tend to just write off all grains, personally, corn, bad. Sure. Uh, so those are those are things that I that I think. But I grew up on uh, Kool Aid, peanut butter and jelly, and orange cheese. Right. You know, so that was my that was those were my basic nutrients uh, growing up. And uh, <laughs> I'll just say it's never too late to turn it around. You know? Well, I guess I was really being analytical about our pancreas. To be honest with you. Because you know diabetes is caused by by a, you know eating animal and dairy products because of this, this insulin issue. Because every time we eat an animal product, um, our insulin or our body, uh, our pancreas is excreting too much insulin because there's no fiber in animal products at all. And it takes weeks and well, months for it to digest versus plant-based taking hours and days. Well, another, another side thing, another little thought to think about is uh, something that can even come up as bigger than literal nutrients and fibers and their effects on things is how do all these foods affect the microbiome? That ends up being even more important. And I don't know how much you guys know about that. Yeah, but please gut. expound on you, that. You're talking about the gut, right? The enteric system, the stomach, and the bacteria in the stomach? Uh, the bacteria all throughout the GI tract, right? So right. Th- that ends up expressing more from a from a diabetes perspective than the pancreas could ever do. Well, the pancreas is on blast 24-7 because we're eating nothing but dairy and meat all day. Yeah. So, so explain the biodome, though. The biodome, is that what you said? Yeah. Who, here, who here is eating dairy? No, Amer- <laughs> no 90, 99% of the country, 98% of the country is constantly eating every, every, anything you get out of a product, a cookie. Uh, you can't get a piece of bread without having dairy in it. So what I'm saying is the pancreas is under constant attack of having no fiber and no nutrition. There's no nutrition in, in meat at all. There's just a, it's a, it, it is a protein. That protein is eating plants to get protein, to build protein. Animals that we're eating eat are herbivores like us. They're getting all their B12 and all their vitamins and all their nutrients and their vitamin and hormones from the sun because vitamin D is not a, a, it's not a nutrient, it's a hormone. And B12 is not a vitamin, it's a bacteria from the ground, from water and, and the soil. So we don't need to eat animal products from a, from a scientific standpoint. Because our pancreas is designed to have fiber. But, but why then do we have teeth to tear into meat no, naturally? No, we don't. Our, our, teeth go, our, our jaw goes side to side. Carnivores go up and down only. Okay. Yeah. And we need to actually, you don't get Valsiva from seeing a, a dead animal on the side of the road or a chicken that's dead. You want to see it cut up and prepared. Carnivores, uh, lions go eat wildebeest just to go do it. We think it's horrible because it is. 
That's why when they did the study with the apple and the chicken bone from uh, the 1950s, 99% of the kids took the apple over the chicken bone from ages 18 to 5, 18 months to 5. Because our, our natural reaction is not to have anything prepared. And as, as, as being former apes and as being a homo sapiens, our lineage and how we evolve with definitely meat and proteins played a big role in that, for sure. But as we see it now, the science is actually saying very, very much different than anecdotes like us that we're talking about today. Because a lot of it is personal stuff that you guys are talking about versus yeah. the actual science, the raw, raw science. Because I'm a researcher in the study, and so it's very yeah. hard. See, I'm a researcher in the study, so it's, it's very hard. You must bring the science to me. And so you can't bring science funded by the meat and dairy industry either. It's got to be funded by someone other than those people. Because I'm very much entrenched into the culture of nutrition based beyond the vegan industry and all that kind of hyperbole and all this nonsense. I'm a science person like you. So I like really delve into the science, not anecdotes of what I like and what I cheat on and stuff like that. So that's, well, okay, so devil's advocate. Where, where does a vegan get their B12? B12 is a bacteria you get from the soil and the water. As long as you're eating organic, you have natural bacterium in the soil. The reason why the bacteria in the soil is gone, ladies and gentlemen out there, is because we've been using chemicals and GMO crops that have been killing the depleted nutrition in the soil to include bacteria because B12 is not a, a vitamin. B12 so is a bacteria. How do you get it then if it's so depleted, I'm telling yeah. you, bacteria, the B12, there's one through 12 that are your good bacteria. B12 is in, well, it's in kumbaka and it's all kinds of different fermented foods, first of all. So you can get it in abundance right. right. anywhere. But secondly, if you're an organic, whole foods, plant-based diet person, you're eating whole foods, not processed, soaking your beans, all organic, and you know it, 100% that soil has bacteria 12 in, in there, for sure. The problem yeah. is buying hybrid foods and foods that are grown with GMO crops and, and being sprayed, that soil no longer has B12. So anyone eating right. vegetables that's not right. eating organic will not get B12. Vitamin D is not a vitamin. It's actually a hormone that you get from the sun and the interaction with calcium on your skin. So that kind of like brushes up on that. Right, right. So that's awesome. So another, another question, or I guess I should say... My, no, it's a good question. Keep overall, asking. My overall personal opinion on it is, you know... You can have an unhealthy vegan, and you can have a healthy hundred percent. You can have a healthy person that eats meat. You can have an unhealthy person that eats meat. Absolutely. I think it's very important where you get your food from. Is it organic? Is it clean? It's almost more than what you know, like the actual ratio of this to that and what you're eating. Um, it, that's what I found overall, because there's a lot of things that work for a lot of different people, and it's hard to say you know, a plant-based diet is the best because there's plant-based It's reversing diets diseases, though. Awful. So we know that, though. It's, re yeah. it's from science. It's re no, no other diet is reversed. He keeps trying to tell me to stop, but... No, yeah, because we're, we're having a yeah. high-function... No, we're having a high-function conversation here. So, so plant-based diet is actually reversing disease, guys. See, the paleo diet died of cardiovascular disease in the 70s, and he was obese. So the paleo diet has already been debunked. And all these other ketosis diets debunked because when you're in an animal-based or a plant-based ketosis, that's like tricking your body. You're just drugged up. So see, the plant-based, whole food plant-based diet is the most defined, scientific, healthy diet known to humans. And it's not a personal anecdote. It is science. It reverses diseases. And I'm living proof of it. And so is hundreds of thousands of others across the world. So I'm not trying to preach veganism. That's a different thing. When it comes to science and plant-based Knowledge, this science, I encourage everyone to go look it up. 
this is not hyperbole based on a social position or disposition it's based on raw science and so like i said i encourage everyone to go look it up it's it's out there in the uh in the medical records and documentations and it's not a case study it's actual you know double blind placebo placebos we've already we've already proven that plant-based diet actually does this so do you often um uh, get people to change their diets that help them get off some of the drugs you're giving them through your pharmacy? Absolutely. So um, is that often? Is it like weekly, monthly? Is it something that transitions over time? Like most of your um, patients, that kind of thing, is it like, uh, are, do you have people for like months at a time? Like that you're working with um, that way? So my my dad really is the one that's doing, doing most of that. You know, we're trained, I'm trained in like the sort of basic and most of what we do is like uh, phase one, phase two liver detoxification in these types of programs. So you're getting people really in a phase where they're not eating any foods that are adding stress to their liver. Um, and you see huge health changes health changes in that and those programs can run 10 to 28 days and then they're sort of like anti-inflammatory maintenance diet after that um and you can do it either with or without you know meat so that's you know what i've found so it's kind of personal preference because we have actually i find when vegans come to me they're some of the hardest to work with and i'm not talking about your plant-based diet i understand what you're talking about mm -hmm. yeah um but uh, you know, vegans that they're like, they're bread vegans, right? They're pasta and, or not pasta, but whatever dairy, they're, they're eating really poor quality uh, vegan or vegetarian diets. And they're like sort of little grain addicts worse than sometimes the others. But it, it's kind of, a, it's, it's a size response. Yes. Oh my God. Diet nutrition makes a huge, huge impact. Uh, health absolutely sweet so erica we, we've taken up a lot of your time i know uh in the middle of all this you put your She's boys so to awesome. bed you talk about a, a single mom here takes it. care so you're the best erica what's that say that again <laughs> i said they're still running around <laughs> oh perfect so so we're definitely going to let you go to put them to bed now because it is nine o'clock and we yes. are full advocates the kids need eight hours of sleep before school so we're not going to tell you up anymore but we want yes. to have you on in the future because uh i love your perspective i love She's that you're awesome. in new york state and i love that you have the same perspective about helping people as we do so we want to have you again and i hope you're good with that and you're going to help me write the musical the hempathetic podcast yeah. musical and thank you for really being like what, what a really like open like i gotta tell you i've been around talking to pharmacists all around the world and erica between between talking about the, the the cannabis slash you know hemp and stuff like that thank you very much you know for your time and your expertise and and also thank you for being very open-minded and sharing you know nutritional aspects us us having good common debate and even if we don't agree we still can like get along and talk you know this is what it's all about you know we bring people together no one's saying that Oh, you're wrong. Or you're right. You know, we, you know, I'm hard-headed science guy here on the team, but you know, I get into my bag a little bit, but you've been great. I got to tell you, and we're really happy to have you and we can't wait to have you again. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. I'm going to sign off. No, you're going to sign Good off. Night. Yeah. And uh, I'll see you at the fish concert. We'll talk, but we're going to, I'll be in Albany with you. Oh yeah. I'll see you there. I'll see you there. <laughs> bye bye. See bye. Ya.
Well, folks, that's the Hempletic Podcast. Guys, before I, four, I, can't, huh? I can't even sign off yet because I'm overwhelmed. Bro? Yeah, that's number four. Holy shit. Jay Passamonte. We got a few minutes, don't we? Yeah, Can we, we shoot do. the shit just for yeah, a couple Jay minutes Pesamonte, here? Yes. Jay, please chime in here, Jay. So yeah, please. Uh, how about a machine gun here, in. Jay? Get a machine gun. Let's get things pumped up here before we leave. <laughs> So Jay, what is so four episodes? Yes, we're trying to. Yes, we love Jay, and uh, and obviously this is a something we are. Um, every week is going to be a little different, guys. It's not going to be the same. We're going to morph into different things. Um, but Jay, what what what's your feeling so far? Four episodes we've had now. So far, let's a little quick inventory. Introduction to Gino. We've had a CBD coffee guy and you. Uh, yeah, and myself. Hooks. Yeah, I guess a little bit. Yeah, and then we've Don't had, worry, we're getting we've back had a to pharmacist, you. and then we've had uh, the VCCF. Like we've gone a little bit of everywhere, Jay. So far, are we happy? Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely learning a lot. I just want to thank Jay Passamonte because we've gotten some feedback recently from someone who watches podcasts in this industry, and he says that our production quality, and I hope everybody out there um, agrees is very good to go with our salt and pepper, but Jay is all behind that. So please, salt. everybody give Jay a little, Jay Pesamante. Thank He's you, the man. I'll give myself a yes, Thank you. We want it. Yeah, you got to, bro. You Thanks, really, guys. really have to. No, you gotta, I'm pumped. Yo, I'm you got you to be in your bag sometimes, bro. Yeah. You want to share anything? Like, yeah, uh, please. Bit of your, uh, we need, to, we need a, a little bit about Jay Pesamante for everybody. Yeah, so man. Jay, are you married? Are you single? Are you are you got kids? What, and what's before the you deal, get into buddy? that, can you tell us a little bit about... What who you are for us, like an engineer, producer, and give us a little bit of excerpt and that, and then you can go into like the Please, yeah, give us a little yeah, yeah. bio. So this is the first podcast that I've ever recorded. It's the first one. You guys are uh, all part of this new experience for me. Wow. And it's funny because I think every call when I interviewed him, he said he had another one that he'd started doing. So apparently, yeah, uh, I'm confused. Not about, recording uh, though, just oh, just editing. Yeah, see? a lot of everything's coming through email, and so okay. this is the first one where it's you know where I'm part of the whole process listening through the whole thing and made the music got that intro music for you guys beautiful so you're our engineer and producer you basically run the show for us and keep us looking and sounding good like we'll be looking good here in the future but sounding good right? that's right my job is to get your vocals to pop make sure everyone's able to hear you crystal clear oh, shit. oh and by the way <laughs> jay's gonna be uh helping us and helping me with my new team um engineering some music in the future we have a new artist we won't even say his name yet but uh, got a new artist on the team. Uh, I am a manager of hip hop and R and B. So send me your samples of any of your songs and videos, and you can send that to mark at resintech.com, or you can send that to oga nineteen seventy five two thousand eight at gmail.com, um, or you can reach out to us on fa- uh, re- reach out to me on Facebook at Mark DePasquale. I'm an open book. You can DM me. But I'm a new rap manager and uh, Jay Pasamante. Is gonna be my new production engineer. So he big didn't shout know out yet. to him. He was just told <laughs> music bags, my friends. His music bag. No, I didn't tell him. He, he, he I, I asked him if he wanted to be take you know some of the because I got to tell you this artist has an amazing R and B rap rock like Ooh. you just have no idea man like Sounds this guy's like the new podcast episode. he is the new wave folks i'm telling you yo adam 22 i know you ain't listening yet but we're gonna get him on your show bro you, this guy's gonna blow up this guy's amazing so we can't say who it is yet but yeah jay uh can you can you tell us a little bit about um a little about your background and music and stuff and then go into like your uh your little bag there about sure, your sure your sure so yeah i come from a whole musical family to be honest i um uh, my, both my parents were in bands growing up. My grandpa was playing gigs up until the time he passed away. Um, I guess like, you know, my whole family has like this thing where we, we dive into every genre. So you can't really put us into a one category. 
but I was in a band with my sister for a while in Evergreen, um, played a bunch of like rock reggae shows in the area, went on some tours. Um, and then I made my way to the computer and just started doing a lot of engineering for, uh, other, other artists, local artists, um, some national artists doing production instrumentals. Um, and now I'm trying to do some more licensing for like movies, commercials, video games, stuff like that. So you're doing a little bit of everything. I love the diversity. Got to dive into it all. If are you, you uh, a, if you want to be that starving artist? So you're single? Are you handsome and single? Any little ancient Latin babies running around? No, no. I am uh, newly married, and um, right for now we enjoy the the nice, quiet, lone time. I don't blame you. Well, well blame yeah. Plus the fact that we were t- using your whole living room for our studios. So. Hey, big oh. shout out to my boys and my girls out there. I got four of them, but that's <sighs> cool. Anything else we need to know about our producer and engineer yeah, and is there, is there anything, creator of sorts? Are we watching, don't, looking out for you? I don't think you? so. You know, I'll chime in when I need to. But right nice. now, I feel yeah, we need you, bro. We love you. you. Know, we love you. I feel like I've been exposed officially. Oh, You've officially. been officially exposed. <laughs> this is the guy. The behind scab me. has been this ripped This is the guy. I've been waiting for the gunshots and the machine from, guns from the back room. Y'all gonna get all the sound samples I can get. I love it. I love it. So just yeah. to remind everybody, we just had Erica Fallon of the Fallon Wellness she Pharmacy. She's amazing, man. I, I mean, really, truly, I if you have a pharmacist in your city that has the knowledge of her and the passion to help people, then you are doing well. And if you don't, do what she said. Go on Google uh, compounding pharmacies and know that those are probably the people that are at the front line of dealing with stuff like she said they're, like they're usually five like, years ahead of the yeah. curve um, and she's not lying and she's part of that industry so Fallon Wellness Pharmacy they're located in Albany County New York and I should have allowed her to give the plug but I'm going to um, they're at Troy Schenectady Road in Latham New York zip code 12110 and their website is fallonpharmacy.com please uh, if you are in that area, say hello to Erica or her father and uh, definitely patron. You know, going in there, you will be going to people who care about you personally. One of the first pharmacists to note for me and work in this industry that did not try to bullshit her way and try to act like she knew something that she didn't know as well as was so open-minded and so already, you know, educated to boot. So to speak, you know, for, for, for a practitioner of, of sorts, you know, someone who has like a, a doctor of, of medicine, you know, a pharmacist, you know, That's they, right. they know the drugs and the chemicals. So they really are super analytical and hyper smart, you know, and she's super smart about cannabis and this and that. So that's really a pleasure, Erica. We're really happy to have you on the show. Man. So just a little recap. We, we had, uh, Gino's new feature in the bag. We got a lot of good information from him and I just want to wrap up Gino's my fact. in his bag. In his bag. My apologies. We will get that right. In his bag. We'll have a nice little logo and everything for that, folks. Because you got to get in your bag. So Judge Francis so. Young rules marijuana safe 1988. <laughs> DEA USA. So that is something I mentioned my fact fiction or the jury is still out. If you want to see an actual court case that determined that marijuana is safe, Look up Marijuana Rescheduling Petition, docket number 86-22, Judge Francis Young, September 6, 1988. Look it up and show people the truth. Or just type in there and say cannabis receptors in the brainstem, and then you'll get my, a story probably on yeah. or something like that. And uh, and um, stop smoking and sitting on your cou- couch, please. Our exercise yes. a day. Hello. This cannabis is, does guys, not make you lazy. Hemphletic. You're lazy. Hemphletic yeah. podcast means you go out, you take in THC and CBD, and you exercise every Thank day. You, please. Partner. I can't believe my fourth episode is the first time I said this. But get wow, out and exercise daily. That's the whole point of what we're saying here, folks. Oh, my goodness. Listen, real quick, to, to just to digress on what he just said 
Our podcast is about breaking the stigmas with cannabis and hemp. Folks, if you're lazy and you're not doing anything, you're probably lazy before you use cannabis. So don't use cannabis as an excuse because him and I are freaking super duper athletic people. We're on the run. We're doing a lot of things. And we use our hemp and CBD and cannabis products all the time. So now hey. that I'm at the post office, it's all day, every day. Prior to that, it was all day that I wasn't at the post office. That's right. So I'm just saying. Cannabis is the shit. Let's go, family. Let's work together. Have a great day, everybody. Peace, blessings, and... Athletic Podcast signs off. Peace, blessings, and salutations. Job bless. Amen, brothers. <laughs>